Listening to the OmniTalk Retail Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, Trigo, Sezzle, and Silk. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the OmniTalk Retail Fast Five podcast is a podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week. Today is February 23rd, 2023. I'm your host, Anne Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss all the headlines making waves in the world of omnichannel retailing. Chris, Snowmageddon, Snowmageddon is upon us. You, yes. Your birthday yesterday brought the Snowmageddon to Minneapolis. Is that what your intent was? Yeah, no, I'm getting kind of pissed about that. Two of the biggest snowstorms in history in Minnesota have both been on my birthday this year and in 2007. And yeah, it kept us from doing our annual tradition, which is going to get a, going and getting a pint of Guinness at the local Irish pub. I'm very pissed about that. Yes. Even the Irish pubs are shutting down. You know, that <laughs> Minneapolis is getting serious when they stop serving beer here. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's a great point. So as for those watching the video, I've got my English soccer jersey on in front of my, because we're home. We're having to record this from home. We can't get into the podcast studio today. And that's another important thing. Like no. there's too much snow on the road for us to get anywhere, people. And so I'm in my happy place. London's my happy place. I got my tube map, my English supporting my English soccer team. I have no idea why that's my happy place, but it is. I don't, I don't either. I don't either. It tells you something about my personality. Yeah, I'm getting excited about going to Palm Springs next week. Uh, I'm going to the ETL conference and I'm getting the hell out of this awful, yeah, awful yeah, weather. Yeah, you're flying solo next week in Palm Springs. I am. You should tell the audience about that. Meanwhile, I'm up north at my for some cabin retreat with both my kids for their school. Like the last place I really want to be, honestly. I win. I'm so I win jealous. That one. But yeah, tell, tell everybody what you're doing in Palm Springs. Yes. So if you don't already, make sure you all follow OmniTalk Retail on LinkedIn. I am going to be doing live coverage from the ETail conference, thanks to our partners at Celebris and Firework. And you can catch all the details. I've got some great interviews lined up. We're going to be talking to ThreadUp, which we're going to be talking about in today, the Fast Five yeah. today. Right. Um, we're going to be talking to uh, a few other companies here that we're still locking down the interviews, but um, but some really great content, especially as we um, head into this year and all of the complexities uh, that are in and around e-commerce. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll be coming to you live multiple times on Tuesday and Wednesday next week. Yeah. Ito West is a great show. Great location. Palm Springs. Can't beat it. Can't beat it in End no. of February and March, and then we're headed to NCA yes. at the end of the at the end of the next week too for their That's meeting, right. their National Confectioners Association's meeting down in Miami or Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale, I think technically. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about that too, and and I'm pumped about today's show too. I think this is going to be a great I show. Know. You alluded to one of the topics already. I think we got some great stuff. Like we're this is going to be an above average show. I'm going to take the energy that I would have used to go to the office. I'm going to channel it into this podcast. I think, are you oh with my me? Gosh. Should we do I, it? I will. I will. I feel sorry for everybody that's in your home when you're channeling that energy. Because as people have seen, especially the last three weeks, Chris, you have been bringing yeah, it so much so that your body is convulsing because you are so excited. And usually you're trying to hold me back, but today you're saying you're with me, Anne. You're no, with me. It. So I'm excited. Go I'm excited. It. Go I got Anne with me. I'm All here right. for it. All right. But before we get to today's headlines, I want to let you know that, that Las Vegas casinos aren't your only chance at hitting the jackpot this March. 
Shop Talk's keynote lineup is full of retail powerhouses guaranteed to share insights that will take your business to the next level. You'll hear directly from the CEOs of Levi's, Foot Locker, Chewy, Pinterest, Ulta, Walmart International, Verishop, Brilliant Earth, along with other C-level execs from places like Canada Goose, DoorDash, one of whom Anne will be interviewing oh, on yes. stage. You're going to want to check that out. H&M, Lowe's, Macy's, and so, so many more. The registration deadline is just a week away on March 3rd, and we hear that Mandalay Bay, believe it or not, Mandalay Bay has actually sold out of rooms. I know that very well, but ShopTech has secured additional space at a few nearby venues. So if you haven't booked, now really is the time because rooms yes. are becoming unavailable. Learn more and get your tickets at shoptalk.com slash US slash Omnitalk. That's shoptalk.com slash US slash Omnitalk. And Anne and I will for sure see you there. Yes, we will. In today's Fast Five, we've got news on ThreadUp quietly launching a new online store, as Anne mentioned in the opening. Instagram officially getting rid of live stream shopping. Heinen's taking itself off Instacart's marketplace. Can't wait to talk about that. Barnes & Noble launching a new subscription program, but we begin today by reading the tea leaves from this week's earnings reports. And Yes, that's right, Chris. Headline number one, Walmart and Home Depot each reported earnings this week, and here are the big call-outs. First, Walmart, according to Retail Dive, comp sales were up 8.3% and e-commerce sales grew 17% in the U.S. during the fourth quarter. However, Walmart also lowered expectations for 2023, saying it expects U.S. comp sales only to increase between 2 and 2.5% for the balance of the year. We have Home Depot also reporting earnings results here. And while overall sales growth for the home improvement retailer was tepid at only 0.3%, the most interesting aspect of the release was that Home Depot also said, again, according to Retail Dive, that it will invest an additional $1 billion in annualized $1 compensation. Yes, for frontline hourly associates. Chris, what, what are your call outs from these two earnings reports? What do they tell you, if anything? Well, first I want to, I don't think I've ever gotten the chance to go $1 billion before on this podcast too. That was kind of fun. All right. So I'm no, glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm yeah. Glad you know, anytime I can channel Dr. Evil, it's just always a good thing. It's just a good thing. All right. So normally, normally, and to answer your question, I loathe commenting on earnings reports. So I'm always excited when they get, they get, uh, they run in tandem with when A&M's on the show and we generally <laughs> let them do it, but that didn't happen this time. So, so we're going to do it today, but but this time I would tell you, I think there's some some pretty compelling info to glean from them. So I would okay. call out first Walmart. Walmart's earnings reports tell me, as we've long suspected, that the sales growth that they're seeing looks to be coming solidly from grocery and from inflation. I think there's no okay. doubt about that at this point. And now that we're anniversarying those numbers in 2023, growth is going to be harder to come by. That's essentially what they're saying, which yep. puts a lot of their other recent news in a different perspective. For example, we talked last week about the tech hub, the tech hub closures being a reskin or another way of, of you know, talking about layoffs. In reality, that's probably yep. what they are. And then this week, we also saw that they divested Moose Jaw, selling it mm -hmm. to Dix, which says to me that Walmart is trying to conserve cash and probably doing, and that move is probably honestly quite smart. We've talked about the Moose Jaw acquisition and all the other acquisitions like Bonobos, you know, going back three or four years now. But the Home Depot story, Anne, is to me is even more important because it tells me that the economy is still overheated. Yeah. Here you have a company raising its actual minimum wage, not the average wage, as many people report, like Walmart likes to report that, but the actual minimum wage to $15 an hour. 
Once they do that, everyone else is likely going to follow along because the opportunity cost a worker taking a job, a sales associate in a store compared to driving an Uber or making an Instacart delivery is still just too high. So mark my words mm -hmm. now, but I think the earnings announcements will get even more constrained in the months and quarters ahead for that reason. That's my take. That's why I think this is important to watch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, don't have too much to add here. I think just on the Walmart front, I think it's interesting that we're hearing from Walmart that they're getting the high-end customer, that all the all the big spenders yeah. are coming to Walmart to try to save money here. And I, I don't know if I believe I that 100%. I don't know that that's a consistent thing. Like, yes, maybe there's some people that are exploring and trying Walmart from that sector. But I think that at, at the baseline here, you're still talking about two massive retailers here in the U.S., and th what they're doing and what the changes that they're seeing will likely be impacting other retailers across the U.S. Similarly, especially the, the Home Depot callout, I think here is really something for people to watch, especially as, you know, these gig these gig companies are trying to find ways, you know, to even increase what what the um, shoppers like we saw Instacart this week, trying to figure out ways that they can increase revenue or how much shoppers are able to make on top of the, you know, 20 to 25 dollars an hour. So that competition is still going to be there. Um, I think what what kind of investments are we going to see from the Home Depots, from the Walmarts here to, to try to invest in getting better resources here, whether that's minimum wage increases or, you know, what we're seeing from Walmart, uh, increase in, in investment in technology to kind of make that store experience better to um, be more efficient in store, too. So I'll, I think net net for me it's what what will these these earnings reports mean for the for what we're we're likely to see in the coming months from other large mass retailers as well yeah the third part real quick the third part that you just made me think of too is i think the other thing the walmart earnings report tells me quite clearly and i've been thinking about this a lot for something i'm doing tomorrow is that the you know walmart's pretty much defended itself on the grocery turf from the onslaught of amazon at this point like you have to right. wonder if physical retail is really in play for amazon and walmart's done a good job there especially in terms of this inflationary environment environment of keeping that strong core grocery base alive, regardless of whether the growth is fueled, they've kept it alive. And I think that's an important thing for people to recognize as well. All right. So headline number two, according to modern retail, ThreadUp has launched a new online site, 777 Thrift, where everything for sale is less than $7. Makes me think of the makes me think of the uh, you know the slot <laughs> machines that you're talking about in Vegas, like that you started with. Like the odds are not. Oh, that's like, funny. It makes Vegas me think of seven, friends. Seven seven. seven, seven, seven. You remember that one? But anyway, <laughs> no. Oh yeah. Oh, you you should look that one up. All right, the loyal friends and watchers will know exactly what I'm talking about. The site features over fifty thousand second hand items across women's, boys, and girls. And features brands like Zara, J. Crew, Banana, and American Eagle, just to name a few. I tried the site yesterday, Anne, and it appears yes. that all sales are final and that the yes. free shipping not, threshold not is not surprisingly. This is kind of cool, actually. I didn't catch this at the time, but the free shipping threshold is $77. They're, they've they picked a theme, Chris, and they're sticking with they're it. They're sticking with it. Yeah, no, I love it, actually. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear what you think. But, Anne, we're going to hit you with this early this week. We've been on a trend of holding this question till the later parts of the show, but today we're going to give it to you straight. Yes. Here is okay. AM's put you on the spot question. All right. 777 Thrift leans deeply into the value fashion proposition with even lower prices than ThreadUp's consignment pricing. But with all the steep discounting happening out there, is there an opportunity for ThreadUp or 777 Thrift to stand out from the crowd of low-priced fashion providers 
such as being the sustainability of retail? I, you know, I do. I think that do. there's, yeah. a, I do. I think that there's a trend that's been continuous across this next generation of, yes, you have some people, there's always going to be people going after low price and that's where Shein is winning and, and other, you know, fast fashion retailers. But I do think that we're seeing this, this trend towards, you know, only buying sustainable, only buying secondhand that started with this next generation. And I think will continue to expand, you know, throughout multiple generations, through the millennials, even through boomers, I think. And while 777 Thrift is specifically, I think, targeting that that younger audience with a $7 per item clothing, I, I do think this is the next generation's kind of fast fashion. Um, it's keeping keeping product out of landfills, which is a great, great use because that all that thread up content, I mean, they just get bags and bags from people. Not all of that product is able to go up for resale. So I think this is hopefully helping, um, you know, when that stuff doesn't turn over seasonally to help ensure that, you know, someone's getting it. It's not ending up in the landfill or being burnt. Um, I think this will only continue to get better too, Chris, because I think that as we've talked about in past shows, like once you start to put in things like RFID at the manufacturer level, um, once visual search becomes more common, like now these products will continue to show up in those searches. They'll um, have companies will have better awareness of where these products are throughout their first, second and third owners in some cases. And so I think that this is a great foundation to start with here. I love this move from ThreadUp. I'm going to be asking them about that next week at Etail. But uh, I think loads of opportunity for this to continue to get better, for them to continue to make money off of this through subscription and loyalty programs, the same way that we're seeing Shein and others. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I'm with you. You know, at, yeah? at first, I, yeah, I am. At first, I was really skeptical of this, and then I started perusing the site yesterday, and I was like, "Whoa!" Chatting my joy lords, whoa! Like I was like, I was kind of blown away by it actually, because yeah. you know, a big question for me whenever I see this, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, is like, okay, how do you make money shipping this stuff? Sure, the product margin is right. really high, but at seven dollars, like it's going to cost you that much if not more to ship an individual item but then when you get down to it it's like okay yeah but you can still charge for shipping and they have a pretty high yeah. threshold for their shipping 77 dollars. hopefully that works and it isn't just like some catchy thing because that seems kind of a silly place to try to do a catchy thing if it doesn't work financially for you but like so that so that actually makes it me think it, it could be sustainable in the long run right and so the other and so when i start thinking about it like that way i'm like okay yeah, where would I rather get my fast fashion from in this day and age? You know, would right. I rather get it from a place like this or would I rather keep going to the well on Zara and H&M? Net, net, they're all still shipping it to me. So that's still the problem. But at least I'm reusing it is how I think right. about it, you know, as right. a consumer. So so I think, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm kind of all in on this one, I think. I, I like it a good. lot. I, I like it good. better than even Goodwill Finds, which we were lauding a few months ago. Like, I think this is... <laughs> This is really cool. And they're doing it quietly too, which tells me they yeah. think they've got something and they want to see how it works, which is very <laughs> different than the average digitally native brand that's out there talking about everything they do before exactly. you even know if it's successful. Yeah, no, totally. I completely agree. Yeah, I think tons of opportunity here. I will be following this closely and again, asking uh, Thread Up next week what where they plan to take it. So hopefully we'll get some more insight there. Yeah, can't wait. All right, Chris. So in headline number three, in a story that broke last week, which just missed our Fast Five cutoff timing, Instagram will no longer let creators tag products in live streams. According to The Verge, Instagram wrote on a company's 
support page, quote, beginning on March 16th, 2023, you will no longer be able to tag products in live broadcasts on Instagram. This change will help us focus on products and features that provide the most value to our users, end quote. Chris, do you think this is a load of baloney? What's what's the meta parent company here thinking about taking tagging off of live broadcasts for influencers? Yeah. Oh my God. Like this is why, this is why we had to cover this. I mean, I remember, I remember finishing last week's show. I was like, oh my God, we forgot to put this in the show. We've got to bring this back next week because I have so many thoughts on this and like, and so many questions, like, and I'm just going to rattle them off here for you. Like number one, doesn't this move push more influencers to TikTok? Like, I think that's something that you have to think is going to happen. Number two, doesn't this play, and this is really important to me too. Doesn't this play into the hands of the thesis we've heard from our friends at Firework? That what is really at play in the U.S. is shoppable video on a brand's own websites because the retailers and brands can still partner with influencers on their ads via Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever they want to. That's where the traffic's going anyway, which is probably why Instagram's not getting the value from this effort that they wanted initially. And so the brands can pretty much say F you to meta in the process of doing that. So, so mm-hmm. you know, and then I think about like just like last week, another story that almost made the cut. The Fresh Market announced its plans to make shoppable video a programmatic offering to CBGs mm-hmm. in its retail media network. So the next question yeah. I have then is, if all that starts to happen across retail media networks in mass, doesn't that mean less ad dollars also for Meta over time? Because if I'm a CBG, wouldn't I want to put my dollars where the traffic is going? And then by the same token, they can still place those ads on TikTok. So I have no idea, absolutely zero idea how this is a good move for Meta. Instagram, Facebook, whatever, in the long run, it makes no sense to me. In fact, it seems like you're kind of digging your own grave in a lot of ways. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent on board with really? you. I still think there's a lot of ad revenue to be earned by Meta from these brands because you still they're still there going to be buying be traffic. <clears throat> I think it's what's really important, and we talked to. We talked to Firework just to kind of get their thoughts a little bit on this. And I think that one thing's really important to still call out, like. They're still going to be creating content because you're when you're in that social environment, you're still consuming, you still want to consume content from brands. Now, maybe you're not purchasing on there, but I think there's still going to be a, a consistent stream of revenue from Meta that makes sense to kind of keep the brands involved here just to drive traffic to that site. where people are then in a different mindset about purchasing. And so you're absolutely right. Like it's definitely a better experience for brands to develop that one-to-one, not only data relationship, but also, you know, a, a, a buying relationship with their customers on their websites. It gives brands the opportunity for an alternative revenue stream. Like you're talking about with the fresh market to be able to have CPGs also be placing content in there. Um, I just, I don't think it's going to go away completely from Instagram. The other thing, Thing too that I don't, this is just the this is just the like devil's advocate in me that's trying to sure. figure out what's going on here at Meta, and I think that I'm I'm curious like how much so you've been there, Chris, where you've ordered something on Instagram, it never showed up, like it was a yeah. disaster. Like who do you go to? Do you go to Instagram? Yeah, do you go to sucks. the brand? Like who's responsible? And I wonder if Instagram was like pause, hold up, we need to like figure things out here because consumers are not having good experiences. Once they have that bad experience the first time, they're less likely to purchase again on Instagram. So I wonder if this is something here where they're kind of like trying to figure out how to actually do this successfully and create this new offering. 
likely in conjunction with some sort of like ad uh, buy or something that that helps kind of bolster that the reason behind creating this content on Instagram. But yeah, yeah this- that's an interesting point. I want to spend more time on this too, real quick, because that's an interesting point. Like I think I think fundamentally what you're seeing here is Meta, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you want to call it. Is, is basically saying, we're going to do what we do well, and we haven't done yes. this well. And so we're going to go back and focus on authentic social connections amongst right. people. Right. My question though is like, that is probably a losing financial proposition when you look at the future relative to where you were before. So my question for you, Anne, when they first announced they were getting out of commerce, and we covered this on the show like two, three months ago now, maybe. Yeah. You were like, and eh, not a big deal. They can still, they still have live. I think your exact words were, they still have live stream shopping. The influencers can still promote the products they want on their brands. They'll still get yep. the influencers to the site, which will still get traffic for Instagram and they'll get the yep. advertising dollars. Are you rethinking that position at all anymore, given this announcement? I'm curious. No, I don't. I still think there's value. I still think there's value in influencers doing live streams, talking about a product and taking you to the brand's website. Like, I think it's all about authenticity in these situations. And if the influencers are telling people they're driving traffic, like come to for the drop on Tuesday at this site, We've got all these things happening. Like, I think it it makes sense for them to be able to drive people who are, again, in that shopping mindset, who are ready to purchase on site, who are going to ultimately have a better shopping experience because they're participating in the live stream video on the brand site. I think that that makes sense to me. There's still money to be made, maybe a little bit less, but I still think there's a lot of money to be made. um, Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Wow. I a hundred percent disagree, but in the interest of time, we'll move on. I think there's less money for Instagram in that way of doing business in the long run, but all right. Headline number four, before we get to it though, this is the part of our podcast where we're going to tell you about another great retail conference that Ann and I are heading to this summer. I'm not singing this week. No, you're not. Why not? I'm talking. No. Come on, come on. You oh, can fine. think of a Chicago song because that's where we're headed and get ready OmniTalk fans to experience what's next in connected commerce. The Retail Innovation Conference and Expo will feature two expos under one roof, three co-located conferences, speakers from established businesses like Walmart, General Mills and Brookfield Properties and fast growing disruptors like Liquid Death, Bubble Skincare and Wasson. That one made me work for it. And the live learning and networking <laughs> event in Chicago, June 13th through 15th, will also include special programming, unique hands-on attendee experiences, and lots more. Visit amitalk.rice, that's R-I-C-E, dot events to learn all about it and get your pass today. Come on, can't we think of like a Peter Cetera song from like the Karate Kid? I am a man who will fight for your honor. Oh God, we got to stop this. What does okay. that have to do with anything? Chicago? Chicago. I was thinking was like singer of Chicago, right? Am Chicago. Like, isn't there like a Frank Sinatra song or something that's uh, Chicago? So, I don't I, know. After after my Aerosmith blunder this earlier this week, uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I know. Yeah, and tried it for those listening, like, and tried to call me out on an Aerosmith like reference, and, and turns out she was incorrect. But anyway, we will move on. Headline number four, Anne. I know this is one of your faves in the list today. Heinen's yes. is just, Heinen's is flat out done. They're done with Instacart, Anne. According to Grocery Dive, Heinen's announced last Wednesday that it will no longer be available through Instacart's marketplace starting February 22nd. The chain, which runs 23 stores in Ohio and Chicago, but instead, oh according gosh. to Crochet Dive, brought a new mobile app and upgraded sh- and an upgraded shopping platform and that all e-commerce orders will be fulfilled by Heinen's own associates. And 
Do you think this is yet another sign of trouble afoot at Instacart? Yeah, you know, I was talking to Catherine uh, Douglas Moran from Grocery Dive yesterday because this is getting so much attention that she's actually writing oh, another really? like follow-up article wow. on this. Yeah, because good intel. She believes that there's meat on the bone here, and I do too. Yeah, I think I that. Too. I think that Instacart ahead of this IPO is just scratching and clawing and trying to find out like where their unique value proposition is. And it's becoming harder and harder for them to do that the further we get out from the pandemic. And you know what it reminded me, Chris, of was mm -hmm. um, remember when we interviewed Wesley Rhodes from Kroger at NRF? Mm -hmm. Okay. So one thing that he said multiple times when we were interviewing him is that the best way to win in a low margin business like grocery is to create this like secret mm -hmm. sauce of tech partners, both internal things that you're building and other things that you're buying. Mm -hmm. that allow you to get one step ahead of your competitors. And I think that especially in this last year, as we're coming out of the pandemic, I think more grocers are like, look, what, what should we be building internally? We've had two years of like ultimate stress tests from pandemic type uh, purchasing and online grocery. And I think that some retailers like Heinen's in this case are starting to realize like, Maybe we can do this better on our own. Maybe we need like a third party delivery solution or type person or somebody to help like do one part of it. But yeah, we can pick on our own. We can do, you know, like these things that Instacart is offering in store. I just don't think hold the value for the retailers when they're like developing their secret sauce against competitors. So my guess is that Instacart was a nice band-aid for Heinen's during the pandemic, yeah. but now it's all about like, how do we build this for the long term? And I don't know that I see that happening with Instacart. Yeah, I 100% agree. And that is great intel too, because it, it, it emboldens me even more to talk about this. Like, I think, you know, you hear the expression where there's smoke, there's fire. I would say there's already a campfire in place, in my opinion, on Instacart here. Yeah. Because, I mean, it seems like every week Instacart is losing another customer or some element of its relationship with its customer base, whether it be direct placement on its website, like this example here, or providing white label services in store, like we talked about with Top's Market a few weeks ago. Uh, all of which, you know, I was stepping back. I was trying to think, okay, what does this remind me of? Because it goes back to our theme of what is old is new again. And mm -hmm. I can remember my days at Target. This was like 2008, 2009. I was running frozen food. And we ran all of our grocery distribution through a third-party wholesale relationship with Super Value at the time. Huh. And we we at Target went away from that and started building out our own network of what we called FDCs, which was a food distribution network. And Love the reason it. we did, yeah, and the reason we did that was because we wanted more control over the ultimate end consumer experience, particularly around yes. freshness and quality. And that's what Heinen's is talking about in this story that Catherine wrote. And so, mm -hmm. and you also want to do that as affordably as you can for yourself as well. And you want to do it to your point in a differentiating way. So I draw that same analogy here when I look at what's happening in 2023 across the grocery landscape, especially with yeah. respect to last mile delivery and in-store picking and packing. Because like we've talked about, those are essentially white label services at this point. Anyone can do them, but you want to do them in the right way. You want to control them. And so for that reason, yeah. like, I think, I think this is just going to get worse before it gets better and that's why i'm still i'm still i'm still pinning my hopes on my prediction here of last last holiday when i said like i'm not even sure instagram ipos i think the ceo is going to be out the door and i think at best mike we might be looking at an acquisition here for instacart and it's probably going to be a fairly cheap acquisition on the dollar when you get down to it 
Yeah. I mean, I, I agree, Chris. I mean, last word I would say is like, if this isn't working for the regionals, like Heinen's like tops that you mentioned, like who is, who is going to keep continuing to leverage Instacart's platform? I, I thought like, you know, I, when I was talking to Catherine yesterday, I thought that, you know, I wouldn't expect these giant enterprise retailers to be leveraging Instacart. I thought there was maybe a case for these regionals, but again, I think you're right. Like it's getting to the point now where if they're not your client, who is? Yeah. And you know what my other telling point would be like, we had tops and then they had the the smart card and what was it? Not the smart card announcement, but the announcement that we covered a few weeks ago with the the seller market. Well, the scan and go shopping, right? They they had that. If we see another silly announcement like that next week, that's the tell. Like that's the poker tell of all time. That's like the, that's like the, the rounders, like John Malkovich tell eating the Oreos, in my opinion. And all right, yeah, let's keep no rolling. idea what you're talking about. I know. Um, that was a deep dive uh, movie reference. All right, Chris, headline number five. According to the Wall Street Journal, Barnes & Noble is launching a $40 a year membership program that promises to offer 10% discounts, free shipping, a tote bag, obvi, and bigger <laughs> lattes to its members. So in addition, the bookseller is also launching a free lower tier membership program that allows members to earn a virtual stamp for every $10 spent online and in stores and translate into a $5 credit for future purchases once 10 stamps have been accumulated. Chris. Yes. yes. What are your thoughts on this? Are you are you into this Barnes and Noble, the BNN uh, loyalty program that they're starting here? Yeah, I can't wait to hear what you think on this too. Because when we talked about this, we didn't really talk about this one at all when we picked the headlines yesterday. And I was, when I first told you about it, I'm like, I don't like this at all. But I, I actually hated it when I first heard about it. But then like I read into it and I was like, oh my God, there's a lot here that I like. Like I didn't like it at first because I didn't think it was a compelling value for the avid book sure. reader. Like I'm like, what am I getting for 40 bucks? Like 10% off a book? Like I'm already coming to you. So it's not going to get, I don't think it's going to get new customers to you, Barnes & Noble, because they're probably already coming, the avid book readers. But yeah. the beauty of it to me is actually what it's merchandised against, which is a free offering. So my gut tells me that this program isn't as much about getting people to pay $40 as it is about giving them a reason to sign up for free. And the reason I say that is the quote from James Dart, the Barnes & Noble CEO, who also happens to understand the book business pretty well, better than anyone, because he's also the longtime chief executive of Waterstones, which is across the Atlantic. He told the Wall Street Journal, quote, if you don't have a free program, the vast majority of your customers are blank to you. Through such a program, he said, you can learn what they're buying and then promote to them and engage them, end quote. When I hear that, Ann, and I think you're probably going to, I'm curious if you go the same direction. I think first part, this is a first party data play and anyone you can get to pay $40 is just icing on the cake. It isn't about the subscription. It's about enticing them into a different option. You can see how this plays out at the cash registers. Hey, do you want to pay $40 for our subscription? No. Well, how about our free option? Then they're like, oh yeah, okay, fine. For free, sure, I'll do it. That's what this is about. It's all about human psychology. It's a master move in merchandising, I think. Or at least I'm kind of curious to see if that's how it plays out. Yeah, no, I love it. I think that- You do, okay, nice. I, I do, I do. Because one of something that you said earlier, like you have a very loyal, I think people listening probably don't understand, like you have a very loyal fan base of Barnes & Noble. Like these people have been through with you since the pre-Amazon, right? And like, so Barnes & Noble is very smartly getting more from their, their that hardcore Barnes & Noble audience. They're giving them this $40, $40 a, mo- a year for people is like mm-hmm. nothing. Like that's totally fine for them who are already going 
going to Barnes and Noble, like, yes, they're going to want all of these perks for only 40 bucks. Like it totally makes sense. They go there. This is their repeat visit place for them. Without a doubt, you'll get, you'll get more from your strongest customers. And then, like you said, you're getting this first party data and Barnes and Noble is giving people a worthwhile like exchange for that first party data. We just talked about it with treasure data. We released a podcast this yeah. week where they're talking about like the value has to be there for your consumer. And when you think about this, like it's really the, the same kind of value that you're getting from like the Starbucks program. Like, you know, you're giving roughly $5 back in credit once you purchase 10 times, like look how successful the Starbucks programs, loyalty programs are. I think it makes a lot of sense for you to do that in the same place to give people a reason to go back to Barnes and Noble when they, they may not otherwise. So I love it. Um, I think that it's, it's a brilliant move from Barnes and Noble. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And there are a lot of people poo-pooing this on social media. And so I would, I would encourage them take another look at this, like think about it hard. And that's interesting for you too, because you have been the biggest poo-pooer of other subscription programs, like the Panera one to bring that up for all those loyal Omnitalk fans. I'll remember that conversation, but we'll put that aside for another day. But I just think it's important to call that out that you're in on this one because it is kind of telling when you put it in that context. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can also um, order things online from Barnes and Noble. (laughs) You can't order your coffee before 9 a.m. from Panera um, and have that delivered to your house. So there's a few flaws in the Panera subscription just to hold my position and defend myself. Yes. (laughs) All right. Before we get too crazy, let's go to the lightning round, Chris. Um, Question number one for you is that Tesco and Aldi in the UK has started to ration salad ingredients like peppers, Mm. cucumbers, and tomatoes due to a shortage of those goods due to weather and supply chain complexities. Chris, what vegetables would you like to put limits on purchasing for your family? What, wow, what are you okay if they start rationing? That's crazy because I know those UKers love their courgettes. I think that's what they call. I think that's what they call a cucumber, right? I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I have no idea. For me, and it's easy, like squash, eggplant, and avocados in that order. I've got so many of those downstairs right now. There's enough to feed the Jolly Green Giant twice over. Um, that would be what I'd get rid of. hundred eggplant, like squash. I can understand. Yeah. Oh, I've eggplant. always got eggplant in my house, and egg, I got really? eggplant going out. In my what do you make in. with yeah. eggplant? I I don't know. Ask Mrs. Omni Talk, but I got a lot of it, and I got oh eggplants God. coming out the ears. All right, oh and question number two: NBA Commissioner Adam Silver unveiled a new streaming service that lets, lets you capture your physical avatar via your mobile phone and then insert yourself as any player in an actual NBA game. And which NBA player? past or present, would you most like to most like to insert your avatar in place of? I was very careful of how I wrote that sentence. So you know. Yes. <laughs> yes. I can tell. Um, I'm picking Ant- Anthony Edwards from Timberwolves. Like what a, he's so much fun to watch. He's always got this like smirk kind of like quirky little mischievous grin. So I think I would hmm. pick him. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. All right. Going with the today player. I like that. I like I, that. I know. I was like Christian Leitner, Dennis mm. Rodman, like all these fun ones that would be from years past, but eh. I'm going I, Kurt like, Rambis going all in. I don't even glasses. know who Kurt Rambis yeah, is, sorry. but I'll, I'll look the coach it up. The Timberwolves, but that's okay. Ahead. <laughs> I don't follow basketball closely enough. I should, I should, but um, Chris, <laughs> I'm going to go to you for the next question. Patron. Tequila tapped AI to generate cocktails for National Margarita Day. Uh, Using the AI tool, they've coined the Patron Dream Margarita Generator. Sounds amazing. Uh, Consumers can list their dream destination, favorite ingredient, and garnish of choice to receive a custom 
AI generated margarita image. Chris, I want to know who makes a better margarita, you or the Patron Dream Margarita Generator? Oh, wow. Uh, first of all, my, my first question actually is why am I just finding out about this now? And I mean, Christ, it's I don't my know. Birthday yesterday. This info could have proved useful. I know. Maybe. All right. Secondly, oh, for sure, the generator is way better than me. My bartending <laughs> skills and ever since this but show, you you pride yourself on your coconut margarita that yeah you no they're like, like the hand the hand's just not steady anymore and <laughs> the hand's just not steady anymore it's just not working all right yesterday was national supermarket appreciation day and anything you would like to say to your local supermarket thanks for being there lums and byerly's is chris's and my local walkable supermarket but what i would like to say to them is please invest in a checkout free platform <laughs> Oh, wow. Interesting. Interesting. See, okay, cool. Wow. Fascinating. You want that. All right, cool. All right. Well, that, that wraps us up today. I'm not as speedy as you are. On yeah. The you're not, you're not, you're not like 10 seconds in and out on the, no. on the, on the self-checkout. Are you? No. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah. You probably have more stuff with you too. I'm guessing on average, I take mini trips a lot. I go there like six times a week. All right. That wraps us up today. Happy birthday to Josh Gad, Dakota Fanny, and to the woman who stole every scene she was in and in what was possibly Meryl Streep's most rewatchable movie of all time, The Devil Wears Prada, the great Emily Blunt. And remember, oh, if you can that. only, right? Everyone always says that whenever, whenever that's talked about. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us. And we try really hard to make it all fit within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And until next week, on behalf of all of us at Omnitalk, as always, be careful out there. The Omnitalk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com. And Trigo. Trigo technology powers grocery stores with market-leading frictionless checkout and digitized operations. To learn more, visit trigoretail.com and Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com. Finally, Silk. The Silk Cloud DB virtualization platform is a virtualization layer between your workloads and the cloud. Helps you scale your cloud without scaling your costs. Visit Silk.us to learn more.